0: Hello, and welcome to Unconditional Love Fellowship with Bishop Malcolm Smith. This is webinar episode number 130 The Love of God. For more information and more teachings by Malcolm Smith, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads, please visit www.malcolmsmith.org. And now, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you, everyone. And before I begin tonight, I want to very quickly invite you to join us for our summer retreat and this year we're going to have the retreat in a hotel in San Antonio where we can go in, shut the door and we will be staying in the same place, eating together and opening our hearts to the Lord. And the subject that I'll be addressing in that will be um, God has a vision for you. And I I believe that can, and I mean this, transform our lives. God has a vision for you. I I find that in today's world we, we have very little vision. I find increasingly people are living just for today and hope they get through today. They have lost vision along with um, losses in their, their work and their property. And generally speaking, they're, 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 any vision for tomorrow has come to a grinding halt. And people now are living in the lethargy and the emptiness of a life without any vision, without any dreams. And, and what is uh, a massive part of Scripture is that God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, God has a vision for you. I, I mean that very literally. God has a vision for you, a vision that was before time began, and I I would almost title this that you begin to dream God's dreams, that you begin to think God's thoughts. And so we will be looking at an imagination that is filled with the Holy Spirit. We will be looking as to how do we connect with God's thoughts so that we think His thoughts, and how does His vision for us come into being. And that is the first weekend of June this year. And I'll give you further details um, next week. But just for now, our summer retreat, the first weekend of June, will be in a hotel in San Antonio close to the airport. And so just get here and you can be with us for the weekend beginning on Friday night, all day Saturday, and then culminating on Sunday with... Uh, Holy Communion and worship and the last hour of teaching. Okay, said enough. Look for you to be there. Uh, just for you at this point to carve that out of your schedule. I'll give you details next week. Okay, John, First John, the first epistle of John, chapter 4. Uh, I would say that these verses I'm about to read are the foundation. Of my ministry, this is when uh, my entire Christian life just came together. You know, in one of those moments of seeing, when I realized these words um, is one John chapter four verse seven. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and the word from there would indicate. Uh, He's the source. Love issues forth from God. He's the original source of the great river of love. He's its beginning. He's its definition. It's from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. You cannot have this kind of love without a new birth and a coming to intimately know God. And for time's sake, go down to verse 16. "'For we have come to know.'" Notice he said in that other verse, who is, "'Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God.'" And then in verse 16 he says, "'We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us.'" God is love.'" And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Though, those ever I, I could take forever on almost every word in those verses, but it's that simple statement, God is love. And therein, therein is the entire gospel. In those three words... We have the understanding of life, the understanding of the meaning of life, the purpose of life. And so, I'm going to be very simple tonight, but I want to share what that simple verse, and specifically those three defining words, what does that truly mean? Okay, let me me preface it with this. If I am going to know who I truly am, then my Creator must tell me who I am. Have you ever thought of that? You see, this this incredible God we're talking about is our inventor. He invented you, you see. He put you together. He's your Creator. Well, the created does not make up a meaning for itself, it is the inventor that makes, that creates, and then uh, having made, holds up that which he has made, and says, I name you, and then defines, this is what I've made, this is what it's for, I say it again, if you and I are ever going to know who we really are, and why we're here, and the meaning to life, then our creator, inventor, will have to tell us. It must come from Him. But also, my meaning, my purpose, my amnes, who I am, is wrapped up in that same God. For it says He created us in His own image and likeness. And, And so... Part of knowing who I am is to know the one in whose image I am made. But again, even more so, the creature, you and I, can never know the Creator unless the Creator reveals Himself to us. We don't make up what we think God ought to be like. We listen to what He says to us, concerning his very self. And so, by this time you must realize, to know who God is, and to know who I am, who you are made in his image and likeness, it takes a revelation that is given by God himself. And that revelation, that which he says concerning himself And that revelation concerning who we are, that's the truth. That's absolute final truth. God said it, and God is the God who cannot lie, says the scripture. And again it says it's impossible for God to lie. So what he says concerning himself and what he says to us concerning us That's final truth, unbendable, beyond discussion. It's truth, the absolute. And truth in the scripture has in it the idea of underlying reality. And maybe that's a better word here. That who God truly is, and therefore who you and I truly are, that's reality. There's a lot going on around us that is not reality. We live in a world of lies and innuendos and half-truths, but final truth, which is reality, is that which God has told us. And of course, to know who He is, to believe Him, and to discover who I am... That is life, or as the New Testament calls it, eternal life, which is not just living forever, because that would be rather boring, but eternal life is a quality of life. It is life in knowing this God. Okay, what's he revealed about himself? Now, listen very carefully, it took... A revelation from God to tell us, God is love. Believe me, we would never have come to that conclusion by ourselves. For every God, small g, you know, idol gods, gods that are not the true God, they are made up by the human mind projecting what it thinks of as the superhuman and therefore all gods invented by humans are indeed superhumans, they're just like us or rather they're just like our thoughts of what God ought to be like and they end up either with gods of terrible power I say terrible because power in the hands of one who is not love is terrifying, and and mankind invents gods that can't stand us, condemn us, hate us, hurt us, and all the rest of it. But you'll never. And believe me, as I traveled around the world, I sat down with the leaders of religions all the way around the world, including witch doctors. And, and I, I said, tell me, who is your God? And not one of them ever mentioned love. And when I took my turn to say, now it's my turn to tell you my God, and said he is love, there were some that said that is offensive. That's offensive. They, they could not comprehend a God who is love. That meant God was weak. They wanted a God of power that could blast enemies into nothingness. No, it took God to tell us that he is love, but to tell us that he is love with a a love that is utterly beyond anything we could comprehend of love. Our love uh, has limitations, big ones, but... God-love, unlimited love, unconditional love. And it says He is love. That is, He doesn't have love, but He is it. This is His essence. This is the very being of God. Outside of this, there is no God. He is this love, which is uniquely God-love. Think of what this means, just just for a minute. If, If I say that God is love... Well, that means that I am confronting in this God, I am confronting limitless person. Now, now, why do I make a point of that? That the God who has revealed himself to us by saying that he is love, he is limitless personal. Well, of, of course love. You, you cannot have love outside of the person, the personal. You, you can't have anything less than person in the act of love. You can't have trees, loving trees. You can't have electricity, loving electric. No. When I say love, just say the word love. Immediately I am It goes without saying that I'm speaking of person and personal. But if you listen today, especially what is coming through the media in terms of what is the general societal understanding of God, you will hear quite a lot about force. Force, you see, force, energy. I I use the term energy a lot, but I always point out it's the energy of this personal God. It's energy with a face. It, it, God is not force. God is not impersonal power. I, I heard it on television just a few weeks ago where this chap was saying that... Uh, What we say, when we say God, we we, we could say the universe. Don't be daft. The universe can't love me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It takes a person to love me. If God is love, he's not force. He's not just mere power. He's, He's not the universe. He's not just raw energy. He's person. He's personal. If I say that someone loves me, it means that they have entered my soul, that, that they know me in my innermost being, and they embrace me as I am. Love, and that's pure human love. We're talking about God love. So, And he's not a philosophy, um, that there can be many ideas and many doctrines that arise out of who he is, and they all have their place. But we're getting to who he is, not what comes because of that. Who he is, and I'm confronting the person, limitless person who is love. I say limitless because. Everything that God is, he is to me, but at the same time, he's all that he is to you, limitless. And he's love, and he's love in his very essence. It's not something occasional, but sometimes he's love. He doesn't have mood swings. He doesn't heat and cool What he was, he is, and what he is, he always will be, without wavering, without shadow of turning, he is. Love, person. And when we say love, when we say person, now we we incorporate other words like relationship. Whenever you speak of love, you speak of relationship. And so God is the origin of relationship. And when you speak of love, love's intent, love's longing is for union with the beloved. You see what is wrapped up in this word love. It tells me that God wills, God desires relationship with you and I. And when I say you and I, let me say it again as if you and I were the only persons that ever were. Even though that relationship we shall most individually have with him shall force you and I together in a bond of love. But we know him and we know his love toward us as if we were the only ones. When I say love, it's that union where in, in, in the wonder of this gospel, this good news, it announces that God has achieved That we would be in Him. And He would be in us. Union is love. God is love. Ah, but just a minute. Up until now, I've been speaking about love and its demands in terms of person and relationship and union and in. In terms of... This God and you and I. But hold it. It says God is love. That means God is love before you and I showed up. God is, that's in his very essence, his very being, then God is love before there was any creation, before any other creature. God is love. God didn't become love because you showed up. God is love, unbeginning. God is love, that's who He is. But just a minute then, that means that within God, there must be God-lover and God-beloved. Do do you understand me? You can't have just a, a single... I mean, the—I don't know if you know the word monad—is that—that that is just a single God, God—and say He's love. You—you you can't because love, just by definition, love loves someone, and someone is beloved and responds. So within the very being of God, there must be multiplicity of person there must be unity in diversity within God there is the giving of love within God there is the receiving of love and within God is the energy and the strength and the celebration and the dance and the delight of love or as he has revealed himself As the one God who is the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's love. And was complete in Himself before there was creation. God is love. And so God within Himself was lover, and loved, and love in itself. God the Holy Spirit. Love. Love always must reach out. Love can never turn inward and be a self for itself. If I speak of self for myself, in terms of love, that's death. It's very safe, incidentally. No one can get to you to hurt you. But if you are going to love, you open up love by its definition... At its best heart is self for others. Where you expose yourself to pain. Vulnerable. And God reached out. And that's the story of... He reached out in creating us. Because he didn't have to, you understand. He wasn't lonely. He was complete in himself. He didn't have to create us. He didn't have to... uh, make it our very destiny to be part of his love family. He didn't have to. And when we sinned and rebelled against him, he certainly didn't have to pursue us. And he certainly didn't have to come to pursuing us love to the nth degree in that God, the Son, became human. Got inside of us so that we could see love and touch love and hear love, feel love, right there, from within our humanity. God didn't have to, but that's this incredible God. He's self-giving love. And and, and the scripture defines him, especially in the Old Testament, um by the time you get to the New Testament, the assumption is, you understand this, that the, the word love, as is used among humans, is not strong enough. And, and so God entered into covenant with us. And and covenant is love to the extreme. Covenant is saying, I will love you even if it kills me to do so. Love is giving oneself away with the promise I give you my life even though it causes my death. It is love bond that cannot be broken. And God said in all through the Old Testament that's who I am and He uses a unique word which is a word that describes that covenant love. In your most ancient translations of the Bible into English, it's called mercy in the Old Testament, which is very, very, very unfortunate translation. Um, more modern translations use the word loving-kindness, which... Well, now I'm telling you what it means. It makes a lot of sense. It's that covenant, committed, never leave you, never forsake you kind of love. That's, that's who God is. Uh, some of the most modern translations or paraphrases use the term covenant love, which, of course, is what it is. Um, this is God. This is God. This is God. I'd like to stop for half an hour and just let this roll over you like an incoming tide. This is who God is. But I can't. But maybe you'll do it afterward. He is love. Is. It's that word is. That's what transformed my entire life and certainly the ministry for the last 60 plus years. Is. You see, He is love. Now now, now think about that. If He is love, then He is spontaneously. Do you know what I mean? His love is spontaneous. That is, He loves because that's who He is. And He cannot be any other way. He is. So that means... I cannot make God love me. That sounds a simple statement until you begin to realize I just destroyed much of religion in that one sentence. I I can't manipulate God into loving me. I, I cannot control God and make him in any way like me. I can't. Oh, you know what I mean. If it isn't said in so many words, it's the underlying implication that if you do this, if your behavior follows these rules and patterns, if you dedicate yourself to this extent, then, then God will love you. Then you're in his good graces, you say, Then God will like you. And by implication that if you don't uh, have this behavior and if you don't have these dedications in your life, then God will not love you. So that means, I suppose, that... I'm in control here, isn't it? You see, I can make God love me if I do this and this and this, but I I can stop God loving me if I don't do those behaviors, but rather do these behaviors. So here I sit. I'm in the driver's seat. God is my puppy dog. He loves me when I give him permission to love me. I I can tell you, you can love me now because I'm doing this. You, you can't love me right now because I'm a backslider and you can't love me now, not until I've stopped this and start doing that. And, and we've got it all worked out and God bless pastors in some areas. That that's their message every Sunday. Come on, that makes you God. You can't manipulate God. You can't control Him and tell Him when He can love you and when He likes you. He is love. And that throws me out of control. I cannot control God. I confront the God who loves me. Period. When I say... You, you can't love me. No one could love me like this. And he says, I love you, I love you, I love you. We, we've just celebrated Valentine's Day. Well, um, a- as nice as it is to have a day to talk about love, I'm sorry, you, you, you can't think of God as being the ultimate Valentine. Th- this love that God is is not a romantic love. You know what I mean, a romantic love? It, it, it's uh, it's like the sheep eyes. You know, you, you, you've, you've seen something in the lady or the man that, that's, well, what do we call it? swept you off your feet. Uh, that that sounds like a very bad accident to me. If I so, swept off your feet, where 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 you suddenly have no more control, I suppose it it it, it means that this person, what they look like, who, their their personality, everything about them, the way they are, the way they dress, ah, I'm, they're, they're better than they're the highest human being I've ever seen. They're the most beautiful human being. What we're saying is that that person, because of their beauty, because of who they are, they arrested me. They swept me off my feet. I, I I had no more control because they were so beautiful, their beauty overcame me. Well, what's that other expression we use? A, a person falls in love. It's amazing how these expressions all had the idea of an accident and of fell, like slipping on a banana peel. You fell in love. You see, you didn't have it in your uh daytime, did you? It didn't say two o'clock in the afternoon you will fall in love. No, you were swept off your feet because of the beauty of the person you set your eyes upon. No, God isn't like that. If He was, we're all finished. God doesn't love you because you're the most beautiful person, the most righteous person, the most holy person, the most dedicated person. God, God is not a heat seeking missile coming looking for the holiest of all. God loves you. God loves you just because you are, because you're breathing. God loves you, because that's the way He is. That's what it means, He's spontaneous in His love. Or as we read earlier, love is from God. It pours out of Him as the original spring. He loves you. See, this other sort of love, that is has uh, got the human fingerprint all over it, um, here today, gone tomorrow? Impossible, because maybe next week the, the chap will meet a woman that he determines to be more beautiful. Well, that's the end of you, isn't it? And, 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 and so human love goes on its ups and downs, cools and heats, and, because human love depends upon the person who is being loved. But God-love depends entirely on God. That's who He is. And so, I I don't give the terms of His loving me. I don't tell Him He can love me when I'm reading my Bible every day. But if I don't read my Bible, then He he won't love me. No, I, I can't dictate the terms. He says, I love you. And if you go into the wilderness, I'll come and join you there and sit with you. If you go and feed pigs, I'll come and put my arms around you and welcome you home. Okay, now, now you're getting it. God's love by human standards is crazy love, ridiculous love. Very threatening. I'm not in control. Yes, you heard me. Never in And this God is, is, is love. I'm sorry, I keep going back to it. God is love, which means that he's never more or less. I've said that more than once already, but let me emphasize it. He's not more or less. It isn't that, shall we say, that the love of God was more toward, uh, shall I say, Elijah or Jeremiah or Peter or James or John or Paul or. Surely God loved those fellows more than he loves us? No, not at all. God is in. God by being God is incapable of being more or less. He is love. See, if he had love, if it says God has love, if it said he has a lot of love, that's very different to saying God is love. For if you have it, it is capable of being lost. It's capable of cooling. It's also capable of being more. But is love? He is it. He doesn't have it. He is it. Which means I stand before this God and know that I am loved and it has nothing to do with my behavior, my promises my silly dedications in which I promise him the moon he loves me because that's the way he is, it's got nothing to do with me, I don't pat myself on the back, it has everything to do with him and only to do with him, God is love. That's the divine present tense. It doesn't say he was love. If that were the case, the stories of the Bible would be locked in the past. Nor does it say he will be love. Oh, that's the favorite of legalism, isn't it? When you do this, and when you do that, when you get there, then God will whatever. No. The Divine Present Tense, it's the tense of faith that just embraces God as He says He is, responds to God as He says He is. Because He always is who He is. He can never be other than who He is. Now is... And in the fullness of that love, that always has been and always will be, and because it is limitless and complete within himself, it can never be more, certainly cannot be less. So I say again, well, what can I do? You've just taken away all my works. You've taken away all my trying, my struggles, my promises. Yes, yes. And while we've taken them away, let's bury them out while we're at it. You are left with what the entire Bible, from beginning to end, says is the only way to know and walk with God. Trust or faith, which is much belief. It's, a, it's all in the same word family. If, if he is love. And if he pours forth in love toward me, my only response can be, I say it, my only response can be, I'll trust that love. I can't earn that love, can't deserve that love. I mean, that, that, those words are just not in the vocabulary of, of this heavenly realm. The only word is trust. I believe his love. I rest in that love. I rest then in who he is. I believe he seeks relationship, friendship with me, with you. I believe, I trust that he delights over me, over you, as a mother delights over child. It goes without saying that if this is the case... And I believe it, 101% is the case. That being, then God is not terrifying. I'm not scared of God. And incidentally, just as a quick footnote, the, the Bible expression, the fear of the Lord, means that you stand in delighted awe and wonder and speechlessness and worship before the God who is love. It has nothing to do with being afraid of God. God is not hateful. He's not what mad at you. He's not condemning you. Satan's the condemner, the accuser, not God. He doesn't reject you. He's not disgusted with you. He's not repulsed at you. He loves you. It means that he's not indifferent. It means that you do not go through life and God hardly notices you're here. No! He loves you. And therefore his presence is ever with you. His eye is ever upon you. He loves you. He's not indifferent. And he's not abusive. I suppose we could take a whole hour on that one. But I I was talking to someone just a few days ago, and and they they said it in the flow of conversation that um, God had given to this person cancer because he wanted to teach them a lesson. God? God gave the person the gift of cancer? Uh, which God do you worship? Which monster do you fall at the feet of? He is not the abusive father. And, and I, I, I said to that person, if, if God gave the cancer, then he is the patron of all abusive parents. And I suppose, then, the doctor and the surgeon, they're saving the poor person from this terrible God. Because if you believe that God gave you cancer, you should never see a doctor, and certainly never seek any help from anyone, but rather rejoice in this monster that you worship that gave you this gift. No, no, no. And that was just something that happened the other day, and so I... But the the ideas people have that God brings the the pain and the hurt and the suffering because he loves... No. He is love. He is the original father before whom all fathers have missed it and are evil. He, he, He is love. He's not abusive. He doesn't tolerate us. He celebrates us. So even in the Old Testament, before the final revelation came in Jesus, it says that he rejoices over you with singing. That's celebrating you. And when God became flesh in Jesus, that that stood out above everything else. It says he eats with tax collectors who are the scum of the earth, the worst of sinners. He eats with them. This this God, who was finally, totally revealed in Jesus, wanted to have a meal and have a joyous meal with the very worst of people. Huh. I, do, do, do you understand what I mean? That this, this love is beyond human definition and comprehension? And sin... Okay, now I understand the God who created us and why he made us to have such relationship with us. Sin, then, is the refusal of that love again people think of sin as a series of bad behaviors many of which are defined by the church rather than by the scripture but but whatever sin is not in bad behavior bad behavior is the result of sin but you see sin by its definition, is the refusal of this love. And if you go back over the last half an hour and think about it, yeah, there are people that absolutely refuse to be loved by a God who will not be controlled. Take all the controls and the manipulations out of religion. People don't want that. They don't want it. They want their... Religion, where they're in the driver's seat, you say, Sin is the refusal to be loved, which means the refusal to trust and believe this love and to order my entire life around this love. It's my integration point. Sin is not a broken law, it's a broken relationship. It is humankind turning within, shutting the door against love and relationship with God, and incidentally, of course, immediately, then with each other. And from the darkness within to ask the question who am I? Because now I've cut myself off from the God who tells me who I am and tells me who he is. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know why I'm here. And so this domain in which mankind finds himself is called darkness. It's called death. Death to love. And it results in spect- manipulations that are absolutely idiotic. It calls them foolish and futile, meaning dead ends going nowhere. Believing all of reality is to be found within the five senses. We are lost. We've fallen short of the blueprint. We've fallen short of what we were intended to be. But then, of course, love relentlessly pursued. Love didn't blink. Love never for one moment stopped pursuing after us. And so the scripture says, For God so loved the world. There you have the extreme love. But it just doesn't say that because then it would hang in a vacuum. It says, He so loved that... So he comes, this is love defined. He gave his only begotten Son. God gave God. And God joined us where we were. God loved us where we were. Not where we ought to be. Not where we used to be. Loved us where we are. And he joined us. He joined us so completely that he became one with our suffering became one with our shame, our guilt, our death. So that Second Corinthians 5 says he became sin for us. I, I often use the term passionate love or the word compassion to describe him. The word passion, passion, It means love that will suffer. Love that is so given to the Beloved will suffer on behalf of the Beloved. Or as covenant love says, even to death. Passionate love. Love that suffers. Love that will go to death if necessary. God got inside of our world of death and darkness and God being God took to himself our human suffering and shame and guilt and sin and out of the midst of that said I love you. And for the first time, we see love. We we say of God that you so loved us that you were willing to come into this nest, this sewer pit, this hell on earth that we created for ourselves. You 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 came into it and took it all to yourself and got down in its filthy guts and said, I've come for you. I love you. Now I know the love that God has for us. Now I know the forgiveness that He gives to us. Now I know that His end and purpose in view is of such magnitude that what he had to pay, the cost of getting his hands on you and I to take us to that purpose. It was all worth it. It was all worth it. But he wasn't finished until the love that suffered and died and rose out of death and reversed death And carried us into the presence of his Father, he sends to us God, who is love in celebration, love the energy of love, love the power of love. He sent us the Holy Spirit, love embracing us, love kissing us, love shouting with celebration within us, you are a child of the Father. Love, now come within us to unite us to the Father, unite us to Jesus. Love, who is the relationship working, the Holy Spirit, who is the revelator, the opener of our eyes, the opener of our ears, to see what we never could see in the darkness. To bring about that bond so that we now say Jesus Christ lives in us. We now say that as a branch is in the vine and produces the fruit of the vine, so we are in Jesus Christ. And actually produce the fruits of divine love. Yeah. If I believe that love. That love is original reality. That love is the very heart of creation. So that when we get down beyond... As far as ever a scientist has gone beyond all atoms and come to the very glue of creation, we find it is the God who is ever giving love that holds it all together. And we see that same God creator enter into his creation in Jesus Take our sufferings and shame and our guilt and our death and unravel it and shatter it and rise from the dead, love triumphant, love conqueror. That's who he is. If I believe that, and if I believe that that God... Holy Spirit is now inside of me to reproduce in me that love. If I believe that love, then I've entered into a rest that is beyond anything this world can imagine. I've entered into peace with God. I've entered into joy that no thing or no person can take away from me. I am loved, I am the beloved, I am the friend, I am the companion of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I am that by His initiative, He first loved me. And if I believe that, that this God who is love is final and only reality. And that God revealed in Jesus, triumphed in resurrection, then I've had it with the old life and I put away unforgiveness and bitterness and malice. How could those things ever be in the attitude and mouth of the person that is seen that all of reality comes down to self-giving love. Therefore, all unforgiveness and bitterness and malice must be of Satan himself. I do away with envy. I throw it from me like a filthy garment. Why? Well, how could I envy anyone? I am the beloved of God and I am showered with the blessings of God. How could I envy anyone? How could I want to be someone else? How could I ever say with bitterness that they've got more than me? How could I ever point a finger at others and despise them because of who they are? I am the beloved of God. Therefore, it becomes me to give love. How could I ever execute revenge when I have been forgiven a 10,000 sins? Oh, you bet it changes our behavior. But you see, our behavior changes because we are loved. Because we are accepted not in order to be loved or accepted. And all this means I I have worth. Oh, what a relief. What a relief. I do not find my worth in what other people say about me. What a relief. I don't find my worth because you smiled at me this morning. I don't find my worth in how much money is in my bank account. I don't find my worth in the car I drive or the house I live in or whether I have the corner office. In fact, when you think about it, that is so stupid to think that such spider webs of stuff that are gone with the blow of an ill wind To think they could give me worth? Worth is bestowed. Worth is given. And he has bestowed worth. He's bestowed the ultimate status of calling me, calling you his child. Well, there is more, but the time has gone. And as I say, this is a very simple message. God is love I think I've told you before it really (laughs) stuck in my mind I was being interviewed on radio somewhere and the interviewer little lady who bless her heart she was just doing a job and I don't really think she even knew anything of what I was doing and she was just doing her job and and so she said, "Well, you, you travel around the world and you're speaking to you know multiple thousands of people. What well, what's your message? What makes all these people come and listen?" And so I took the opportunity and I I said, "My my message is that God is love." And and I went on to say to her some of what I've said tonight, um, "God is love." And, and, and she just looked at me, you know, that sort of, um, what's, what's that look? The sort of pitying you, uh, she said, so you, 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 you preach God is love. How sweet. Huh. I said, lady, that is the last word you should ever use describing God's love. God's love turns your life upside down, inside out. God's love creates a newness that you've never even dreamt could exist. God's love is all power. No, I would never just say how sweet. God's love comes like a roaring lion against the enemies of his people. God's love is the ultimate of new creation. God's love brings healing to their, men say is impossible. God's love. God is love. Yeah, I've spent my life, literally, going around the world like Johnny Appleseed, planting seeds of this verse. Going from the jungles to the great cities speaking under trees to in vast auditoriums and stadiums and all I've said one message God is love and I trust that tonight you've heard it and your life will be changed and now the blessing of this God who is almighty love the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit His blessing be with you, in you, around you, under you, over you, and through you like a mighty river to all those with whom you come in contact. That as you know you are loved, so you may with that love become lover. So I bless you, and so it is.